Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin podcast the flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. This is episode 147, and I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. You seem awfully chipper tonight. I just wanted to use my radio voice. I'm pretty normal. I'm pretty chipper, I mean. What if we had actual characters? We had actual characters for our radio voices? It's like, I'm the animal. And now Diabolical D. <laughs> I learned today that, that Larry the Cable Guy doesn't actually talk like that. That's just a character. Apparently. I watched that same video. I, saw it on, I think I saw it on Reddit. It's like apparently he just, yeah. he just does that when he's around those types of people. He's a, he calls himself a chameleon. <laughs> I don't know if that's just someone saying that so that they could do whatever the hell they want to do and make money off of that. Or like he literally does that. Well, I think that's someone saying that their character is dying out and they need to build a new one. That's what I think. Well, what happened was uh, on 9-11, the first plane hit the tower. And in his stupid accent, he said, what what pilot can't see the tallest building in the world? And then the second plane hit, and then he dropped the accent and apologized profusely. And then that's when it kind of came to light. Really? I didn't know that. So. Damn, we got deep here on the Bitcoin podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, just pulling out 9-11 out the front. To get Speaking there. of 9-11, we got a new trading show that we're adding to the network. That's a weird segue. I don't think we should use it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's called uh, Buy and Sell What the Hell, and uh, it's it's. I'm pretty excited about it. So all you, you trade trading heads out there, you got a show dedicated to the topic. Yeah, man. Uh, guys, they hit me up in Slack, Redis and Alec, and they've been trading successfully for a long time. They have a successful trading show already, um, and you'll get all the, the links and whatnot in the show deets uh, when they introduce themselves to you guys. But really excited about that show, and you guys get opportunity. Trading tips on the low. Yeah. Buy and sell. Uh, what the hell? Should we uh, do some ads, or should we talk about some current events? I'd say hit him with uh, with an ad. Hit him with some current ads. Some current ads. All right. Episode 147 is brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, uh, which is the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. They're located all over the United States, Philadelphia, Florida, Fort Worth, Chicago, a uh, whole bunch of other U.S. cities. So what we want you to do is we want you to download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play so you can figure out all the specific locations near you and all that good information. Visit athenabitcoin.com. 
And we're also brought to you by the Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, Bitquick.co, the secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where our listeners can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. They've been serving Bitcoiners since 2013, so where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. It's Bitquick. Get your Bitquick. Yeah. Uh, We're also brought to you by BetKing.io, the most trusted dice site with the highest betting limits. They just had an ICO that raised over $1.2 million. Million. They're going to use that to make you, the user, have a better all-around, better experience. Uh, In two weeks, I think the Mayweather fight's happening. So there's sports betting, poker, tournaments, blackjack, roulette. Uh, lots of cool stuff, man. You can use your Ethereum, your Litecoin. You don't really need to go anywhere else. That's so like your one-stop hub. To learn more about BetKing, head on over to BetKing.io. Subscribe to our newsletter where you can get the latest news and updates delivered directly to your inbox. And it's also a great way to you know, get it on that ICO where all the funds are held in cold storage. I'm going to put a 1,000 on Crazy Legs McGregs. It's going to be yeah, awesome. I think so. I'm going to win it. And I'm gonna win a bunch of money. You're going with McGregor. And yeah, I'm picking McGregor just because um, boxing needs a story. And if McGregor wins the first one, then we get like a round. We get a round two. So you're, so you're two basically not fights. betting on McGregor. You're betting on basically the the story arc of boxing and how there. There is no story. This is a money fight. There, yeah. is, there is no trilogy yeah, fights for their but, legacy. What, what, he, what he's saying is that they would rather probably throw the fight for the potential of way more money if they can do it in a sellable way. Yeah, yeah. Boxing is the most easy manipulable sport. Easy sport to manipulate. And that's why it, like lost its favor over the years. Because after a while, I was like, oh, well, clearly like you could just manipulate the hell out of the sport. And so I think that they want. I think McGregor's gonna win, and then everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my God, I thought it could never happen." And then Mayweather's gonna be like, "Oh no, nah, dog! Like that's crazy. I need to fight him again. I don't ever lose." And those are my voices, by the way. We know. <laughs> oh, we know they're yours. <laughs> All right, now, let's Corey, this Taylor next one's for you. No, we can't. We got one more, okay. and it's just for you, Taylor Made. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but as ICOs have been exploding in popularity, uh, access to expert legal and marketing help is increasingly challenging to find. Until now, a successful (laughs) ICO itself requires significant funds to embark on. So I'm introducing to our listeners the new ICOS token, which will allow their holders to vote for interesting projects, which is then applied to conduct their ICOs using ICO boxes. SaaS solutions, and it also allows them to buy the tokens of upvoted projects at an average discount of 75%. So here's how it works. You choose the best projects from the request for ICOs that they receive, and so now you can get the best ICO tokens for next to nothing and at minimum risk since the project tokens can be swapped at any stage of the sale, even after it's over provided they're still available on the Icobox platform. So to start that process, head on over to icos.icobox.io. Check out the platform and get started. Great projects, great tokens, unbeatable price. Icos is your new reality. Yep. All right. I think I got one. All right. (laughs) Yeah, you got one? 
Yeah, yeah, I think I got one. If you're feeling clever like a fox, do 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 do. Use ICO box, do 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 do. Not putting money in stocks. That's whack. I didn't like that one. It fell off at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're just thinking about words that rhyme with box, and then that's how just rappers made up. do. Yeah, I was just trying <laughs> to that, do the rappers. Is that what do. rappers do? I don't know. Yeah, don't put your money in stocks. Use ICO box to be clever as a fox. <laughs> I'm sold. There it is. Boom. Got it. All that right. That was a good one. Corey, you're still thinking about it. I could see that, but I oh, think. Yeah. That yeah. The face is, the face is thinking about something. I'll come up with something mm. later. Man, we're in Joe Rogan territory where our show doesn't start until 13 minutes in now. Okay. Let me give it a shot. We're also brought to you by <laughs> nope, Aquafina nope, flavor nope. splash raspberry flavor. Hey, we're, we're also not brought to you by Baking on Bitcoin, which is now available on Netflix. You got to watch it. Get all your okay. friends on there. But it's not good, but hey, it's mainstream. <laughs> it's not good. It's it, You know what? I watched it last night with my wife, and it really focuses on Charlie Shrem a lot. It's really weird. He does. He does. It's like it's a pinned tweet on his Twitter. Is it? That must be, I don't know. It just seems like Charlie Shrem gave the director more of his time than like the Winklevi or Gavin. So he featured him more. And oh, it's what did think about? He has, uh, his pinned tweet is watch me go from CEO to dishwasher and disrupting money. I guess he's been a lot of movies. Is that how he's making his money now? I guess so. I think so. that yeah, I Charlie Shrem has a, pretty well. he's got a very mascotty face. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, he envi- he's I think he could, like he's an everyman, right? He looks like an everyman. Yeah, he's a mascot for guys that are into crypto. He's got he a very like a, mascotty face. He looks like a Wii avatar, like the little guy you make on guys, your Wii. M- mascot. I mean, that's I'm saying it. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally <laughs> saying the word. <laughs> he looks just like a he's like the crypto mascot. Yeah. And that's I don't know. Maybe he's not. You know, to be honest, I don't. I, think, I don't know like all of his like real qualifications. I mean, he get me wrong. He's been around for a long time. He founded the Bitcoin Foundation. He's been advising a lot of things. He's he's like, like you said in the recent podcast, he's an OG of the space. Yeah, like if there were an ad in an airport catalog for crypto, Charlie Shrimp's face would be something that I would picture myself seeing. Yeah, well, the movie highlights Voorhees, Vare, and Shrem a lot. And it's kind of like Corey said when he was talking to Shrem in the last episode, like, why should we listen to Roger aside from the fact that he had a lot of money and he invested in a lot of things? And I think the early OGs of crypto, that that's really the only advantage they had. They just they had kind of a crystal ball sighting before we did a little sooner. That's it. So they have a little bit more credibility in the space. And think about that. If you were like under the cir- weird circumstances, you just happen to be in this community of people that were doing this cool project that you found interesting for some ideological reason, because there certainly wasn't utility back then. It was just something that could be really, really cool later on down the line. And you use some of your spare computational power to mine some Bitcoins or you bought some, you played with it because it was fun. And then that blew up to $4,000 a coin. I think that, like, 
Now, say if you had, you know, thousands of coins and then it blew up to that. Like, yeah. Does You're the now a person that was in the space early because they thought it was interesting, they, they may have a lot of really good knowledge on the history of things, but just because they were in the space because they thought it was interesting doesn't mean they're incredibly knowledgeable on how the underlying things work or like what's best for the system. They just like, they have a shitload of money because that's a ridiculous return. I think it does. It doesn't, I think it, not, it doesn't saying it doesn't like it, it, it. I'm not saying that they can't know. I'm just saying that isn't a sufficient amount of experience to know. I think it's sufficient amount of experience if you were like mining it and if you were handling it and if you were a part of somebody who was building out some sort of system or structure that makes Bitcoin easier for someone else, then yeah. But okay. if you just then, were like, then, then that's oh, like, are. well, I mean, that's why we're OGs. Like, let's not, we're just OGs that, that like to, that get really excited about other people's work. Like, if somebody's doing something they're passionate about and they think they like it, then I want to talk to that person. I want to figure out why. I want to figure out what it is they're doing. Like, but we're still OG. Like, we mind. And, I mean, we know a good amount about how this shit works. See, Ophelia thinks so. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. But it doesn't it doesn't work that way in the fiat world. Like, Tony Robbins isn't necessarily the richest guy, but people listen to him. Because he has some kind of value other than, oh, I got in on stocks and bonds and investments early. So it works a little different in the crypto world. Uh, well, I mean, what's his name? Uh, I, I have a complete loss of his name. The guy that everyone quotes in terms of investment advice. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Zig Ziglar. Certainly, certainly not. Uh, Buffett. Warren Buffett. Like, he oh, is yeah, yeah. famous because he's made a bunch of money. That's it. But like his his returns, and basically, I guess his, his his trading history is so ridiculously good, and he's called so many things in, like in the past that have become true. That people listen to him because he has a really good track record. I mean, money is like the magnet of like human personality. Like, I think the more money you have, the more naturally people are just gonna like be attracted to your presence. That's just I think that's, that's just I think that's garbage. That's human nature, though. Sure, it may be, but I think it's garbage. I think it's stupid. Especially I mean, in the cryptocurrency space. Yeah, I mean, you may think it's garbage and it's stupid, but it's human nature. Like, look at Zuckerberg right now. No, trying it's, to it's, get on the old little... It's greed. He's trying to S the D of the Chinese so he can get Facebook in China. And he ain't going over there in no hoodie and sneakers like he does over here. He, he's getting suited and booted. And he's trying to learn Chinese. And he's trying to look like he's valuable. So the Chinese are like, yeah, man, you can run Facebook out here on these servers. We're cool with it. He's going to be doing that for like another two years. But if he walked over there like wearing a hoodie and a T-shirt that said Spider-Man is greater than Venom, they would say like, what in the hell is this? Like, I don't want anything to do with this dude. I'm not sure if that's true because he has a lot of money. All right. When you see him in a meeting with uh, the Chinese up and ups, and he's wearing a hoodie with a Spider-Man T-shirt. You send that picture to me. But from <laughs> what I've seen, he's wearing three-piece suits, and he's speaking the hell out of some Mandarin. 
I think it's Mandarin. I may have just been racist, but he's speaking a lot of some Chinese. Mandarin is a form of Chinese, so you got that going for you. <laughs> All right. But what I'm saying is, like, human nature, people are generally attracted to it. And that's, that's, that's something that we discussed in the past. Remember, like, I think 90% of the people that get into this space are because someone, one of their friends or one of their family members just recently made a pile of money. And they're like, whoa, I like piles of money. And so how do oh, I yeah. how do I get how do, how do I get into that pile of money? And then I think one out of nine of those people is like, whoa, this is actually the most mind bottling technology I have ever seen. This is crazy. Okay. Like I'm all for it. You purposely say bottling. Yeah, like when your thoughts get trapped, trapped okay. like in a bottle. Appreciate that. I can appreciate that. I'd say we hold like these conferences where people break boards and break arrows on their necks and do trust falls all to get their crypto. Let's do it. What? <laughs> like oh, what, are, what are you yeah. watching on that laptop that made you come bring that up? <laughs> like, oh, my my dad has attended two of those where they break boards. Yeah, they break boards and they uh, it, it's supposed to motivate people to harness the power of influence or something in yourself. And then you come home and you you think you can handle money better because you broke an arrow on your neck or something. No, that, that's real. Yeah, I think my mom did that. Both my parents did that, actually. It's like team building or like marketing or yeah, you, confidence exercises. I did I that back in the day with Halo 2. I think those are scams. Oh, it's absolute scan. I don't understand how if I'm motivated, I have the tools to create change and better my finances because I have the confidence to inspire others. It's, yeah, not, it's not even related. I don't understand. Dude, it is related. I did it with Halo 2, man. You know how much confidence it takes to run into a base full of the opposing team with just two SMGs and no backup shotgun? That takes supreme confidence. It does. And then once you kill like three of them and you capture the flag and you flag toss it back, that's supreme confidence. I went out into the world and I passed my classes. With that. You, were a very, you were a terrible team player in Halo. Yeah, that's because I had one objective and that's attack. And if my teammates were in the way, then they died too. But all you, all you really have to do, you know that crazy portal stage? Just hide next to a portal and then when someone comes through it, crack them in the face with a shotgun. You have you just you just exposed your your two you your styles your of playing. It's one is a spawn <laughs> yeah, camper, the other one doesn't give a shit about its team. Yeah. <laughs> I do damage per second. Okay, don't get in the way. I do damage per second. Don't get in the way. But then you could be the very first crypto performance coach. Oh no! It's a crypto performance coach. I'll walk away from this podcast well, if you become that. <laughs> A motivational crypto performance coach. The hell does that even mean? Did you ever watch people? People karate chop their paper wallets and do trust falls, and then <laughs> you, you take yeah, their I, money. I amp them up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen the Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. In like the very end, where he like turns into like this life coach on like how to sell mm-hmm. things, and he's like hopping out of the helicopter and it's like if you take my seminar you'll be just like me and all that other nonsense yeah do you want to own a giant house maybe you should come to my seminar where i'll teach you the four fundamental ways of making money we'll be matthew mcconaughey when he does that heartbeat pump at the beginning of the movie we could do that at devcon yeah i'm personally starting to love the guy that goes uh 
this is my brand new Lamborghini in my brand new garage. Like he always is taking the selfie video of himself. He's like, he looks like he's Hispanic. He wears glasses. I know that like, guy. Yeah, I like everybody knows. Moving, he has a bookshelf apart as a podcast. Yeah. We are. <laughs> we are. I, no, I think he's hilarious. Like I don't, I don't like subscribe to anything he does or any of that. I just think it's really funny when he's got a new video and it's like, oh, hello, I didn't see you there. Let me put down my 500 page book. <laughs> that's right. I actually read. 2,000 pages a day, and that's why you see this giant library behind me. You should give me money, and you can read like me, too. It's like, what? What It's, about, a, it's <laughs> only a matter of time before that trickles in the crypto, man. When it yeah. reaches mainstream. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That Those will be a thing, eventually. They're all, they almost yeah. already are. Where it's like, people... Man, I, I, got a, I didn't tell you all about this. I got a letter. My mom forwarded me this investment email that she got that was like trying to convince regular people who have subscribed to this investment newsletter to start looking into the ICO, the initial coin offering. And like, basically it was like, give me money. Mm -hmm. Like the first 200 people to give me money will be guaranteed like hundreds of percents returns on their money. And so on and so forth, due to this new investment vehicle, the VICO, and so, but it was a make. It was maybe about fifteen minutes worth of reading of him trying to convince you to give them money. And at the end, he never talks about which ICO he's talking about. Ever, you have to pay for that. That's interesting. It was like I, I immediately just said, "Mom, if you don't unsubscribe to this bullshit immediately." I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> Everything about this hurts my brain. Well, she is semi-intrigued? Yes. She's like, well, she sent me an email that said they're popping up out of the woodwork because she listens to me in terms of when it comes to cryptocurrency. But she's starting to uh -huh. kind of pervade the kind of the traditional investor dealers that could put out there, like subscribe to investment subscription newsletters these 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 typical people that kind of feed off other people's money like the wolves of wall street are going to take this and run with it because i think they can take advantage of people's ignorance mm -hmm. when they can just talk about the ridiculous gains that people have made and never talk about the risks associated with being in this space i have actually a funny story to tell and this happened at 2 a.m yesterday morning i got a message from a very close friend by the name of Dr. Halverson. Corey, you know who he is. <laughs> Cello, you know who he is too. And he was like, yep. he just said, like, be careful, man. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that is way cryptic. And he was like, the fuckheads are getting into crypto. And I was like, what? And he's like, the fuckheads are getting in there. And they're going to fuck it up. Very Sorry, calm. Wayne. Sorry, That's Wayne. But that, he's, and, he's being precise. Yeah, and he's, he's talking about Tom. A lot. Yeah, and, and I was like, what do you mean, man? And he goes, just, just like, fuckheads ruin everything. And I was like, well, Bitcoin's kind of designed so fuckheads can't ruin it. And he was like, yeah, but then that's that's what happened. See, fuckheads ruined houses, and fuckheads ruined college, and fuckheads are actively trying to ruin lots of things right now. <laughs> so be careful, man. Fuckheads are getting into crypto. And I was like, okay, well, that's very simple. What'd you say, Joe? 
Well, what's crazy though is like what Tom's saying and what what happened to Corey's mom is it takes just as much effort to create a scam than it would be to create something legitimate and make money off of. It takes just as much effort. Yeah, <sighs> but uh, one requires in- intellect, the other one doesn't. It doesn't take intellect to rip off a bunch of people that probably consider themselves smart. I, you don't want to think that your mom is dumb or gullible. Maybe they did attack her in a in a very, I don't know, clever way. Maybe it takes in criminals. No, my mom are, wouldn't have fallen for that, but it's it's there are a lot of people that will. Right, that's a numbers game. Right, you send that out to so many people who and promise them a bunch of a bunch of gains and something they don't understand, and they throw their money at it at the hopes of like becoming rich. All this this letter continuously said. If you're not someone who wants to be rich, then stop reading now. But if you have the courage to want to be rich, then this is the right investment for you. Shit like that. Like it's it's yeah. playing off of people's emotions <clears throat> and trying to ignore their rationalism. And anybody who does that needs to burn in hell. Like it it's it's a terrible thing to do, and it's coming to this space for sure. And I just like there's nothing we can do about it. Can you say that like Samuel Jackson says it in Pulp Fiction? Or did he, I, was that in Pulp Fiction or was that a different movie? I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, yes, yeah, yeah, I said it, and I hope he burns in hell. Like, what movie was that? I don't know. Uh, the, wasn't that the uh, the shark movie? No, in the shark movie, he was given that like grandstand performance of like, we're going to get together. We're going to get organized. Oh. And then we're going to get out of this doggone. And the shark was like, nah, bro. <laughs> You're thinking of Dave Chappelle with Samuel no. L. Jackson beer. It'll get no, you. No, that, oh, was yes. just, that was just, no, no, no. that might have been just his, his, his voice of Samuel Jackson was sounded exactly like Dave yeah. Chappelle's choice, <laughs> voice of Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> anyway, mm, why don't we uh, get you drunk? Why don't we switch over to. <laughs> some uh, sweet security action like old school security action well this is cool because uh, our, our guest this week is Moosh Hakinian who's the chief security architect I believe at Synchronos and what's cool is he's been in the security business for 25 years so he's been like with banks in the 90s and he's seen the evolution of security all the way to crypto so we kind of get a, a full spectrum of security talk from the 90s up until now yeah, he reminds me of like Diet Andreas. Like, isn't that kind of how Andreas got his start in security back in the eighties? He's been so in, that's, he's been in security for whatever that means for a very long time. Like, security is very broad range. It's huge. It's like you know. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, here it is. All right. Uh, today on the show, we have Moosh Hakinian, who I believe is the chief security architect who kind of leads the application security practice at uh, Synchronos. And if you're unfamiliar with Synchronos, uh, they have the largest technology platform in production that is used by uh, the largest service providers and their 3 billion plus mobile subscribers located around the world. So they're, they're a huge deal. And... Um, uh, just for people who are kind of unfamiliar with you and your work, um, if you can give our listeners kind of a brief overview and how you've kind of pivoted to the position you are now. Certainly. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, I'm responsible for product security. So it is anything related from how to build secure products to how to 
uh, implement algorithms in a secure way. So it's very high focus on cryptography. And uh, as a, a crypt cryptographer, I can call me sometimes that, uh, you cannot ignore blockchain and uh, all related technologies. So I came to security uh, pretty much by accident, as a lot of people do. Uh, I just someone told me how insecure my code was, and I really, you know, felt ashamed. And I said, I, I don't want to see any of that anymore. And it was like 17 years ago. And to this date, I'm, I'm in that field. Uh, that's pretty much it. We are blessed with uh, very large customers, like you said, and they keep us honest. They push us to explore uh, anything that comes along new and security is a major major part of the value we deliver so how so since you've been in the game so long how has i guess online baking uh projects evolved through today versus the late 1990s you know have we come a long way since or is crypto really kind of the the end-all be-all solution of the future no we have come along uh pretty well, I would say. Uh, it's a very simple uh, equation. How much money you want to spend on security, you will get that much security back. So if, I don't know, 20 years ago, people wanted to move money from point A, point B, and they were not asking any questions about how is it being done. Uh, today, uh, we are going, we are being audited as a bank ourselves. So they want to know everything about you. They want to know who works on the code. They want to know how you code, and uh, they want to know your practices, all of that. So uh, from online banking perspective, we uh, have managed to create systems that are pretty efficient in moving money. Uh, what's the weakest link in there? Uh, it's usually people, and people can be tricked into doing stupid stuff, unfortunately. Uh, and as a result of that, we, uh, for example, like 20 years ago, you just have login ID password. Today, you have to have this two-factor authentication, and it's in pretty invisible right now. Uh, you can set it up so it will send you a code over SMS in order to access your funds and your account. It will notify you if someone has changed your profile. So it's 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 gone long way, I was uh, I would say. And other than people factor, the technology is pretty sound. So how does how does, how does um, Bitcoin or blockchain then step into this world and make it a better place? Or, 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 or is a lot of what people are saying about, I guess, the promises of blockchain um, basically vaporware? Like, can you can you step us through why you're into this space and how blockchain is a big part of that? Yeah, de definitely. Uh, so uh, blockchain uh, and the Bitcoin on top of it is, uh, in my view, is kind of an equalizer uh, in a sense that in uh, Western societies, uh, people spend the last, I don't know, 300, 400 years in establishing this trust-based uh, money management system when there are banks and there is government oversight on top of it. Uh, and all of that uh, makes people trust that the number they see on the screen is really the value that they own, right? Uh, in a bigger part of the world, that's not necessarily true in a sense that you don't know what will happen to the bank, you don't know what happened to the government in some cases, and you don't know if someone will come in and just take all your money. 
this technology by virtualizing money it does a very interesting thing you don't have to invest in the infrastructure to establish that trust meaning you can start doing commerce without building the banks and without having this whole oversight on top of it and that i think is the biggest promise that is often being overlooked in, in, in specifically in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So I got a question. It's going to be a bit, I'm going to ask you to get a bit philosophical. Um, but you said two things that kind of piqued my interest. You said that, you know, people need to trust that the numbers on the screen are there are the right numbers that are supposed to be on the screen. And then before that, you said that we've been we've been moving money around from from point A to B for a while. We're just you know getting better at it. And so, as a consumer, how long do you think it is before people really start to understand? And I mean, really understand their gut that the idea of physical money is quickly like it's becoming extinct. Uh Okay, the long philosophical questions as, as they go. Uh, I will step a little back, right? Uh, it has to be trust-based no matter what you do because especially with cryptocurrency, very few people really understand what happens there, right? There is a, some random number generated and that's your private key and they tell you, keep this key as if it was a dollar bill and, you know, it's worth much more, right? So, as crypto revolution is going on, if cryptography is becoming part of everyday work, that is probably the only vector that will make people realize uh, that that mathematics actually uh, can be trusted. I mean, actually, let me step back a little bit. In, there are two things you can do. You can either trust or you can verify, correct? And in cryptocurrency systems, the verification is built into it. So it's already done for you. And obviously you trust that that verification is correct. And because all of it is public and there are a whole bunch of people vested in it being correct, then uh, it is verified. It is verifiable. It's cryptographically verifiable that you know, the money is there, that can be spent only once, uh, and, and all of that. Uh, as for uh, people realizing, I think it will be one of those technologies that kind of works. You plug in stuff into the wall and it works. And over time, people just forgot how all of that happens. I think that will be even faster with cryptocurrency, and people will go from this is this, you know, nebulous thing, and I don't know how it works, so I'm not going to touch it, to okay, it works, and no one will be really thinking about how all of that works. I, I, it's, a, it's a personal opinion, but I think that's what will happen, because in uh, being in security in this many years, it's very difficult to communicate how cryptography works, because there are so many things attached to it. There's this mathematics part, there's this engineering part, there's this devices and all of that. Uh, at some point, uh, it, it has to be like, this is dial tone. You pick up the phone and there's dial tone in it or, you know, plug in stuff and it works. So I think I'm going to disappoint you. I don't think we're ever going to spend too much time thinking about cryptocurrencies work. If it works, we're just going to use it. Here's a, there's a 
a problem that I see along the future, or maybe not a problem, just maybe a hiccup in the road of adoption, is because all, all of the infrastructure that we use now, it, based, based on this kind of having to trust an authority, means we're offloading our responsibility of security to the people who we're entrusting with our money. But Bitcoin and blockchain technologies puts that responsibility of maintaining your private keys, having proper security measures, things like that, back into the hands of the end user who has no intuition or experience or training in how to do something like that. And it's going to be a while until we build that back up. How do you kind of foresee the future of this happening or like the, the major roadblocks or problems we're going to see as people start to realize that it's now their responsibility to maintain their wealth and it's not something that someone else can take care of for them? Uh, a great question. I agree with you 100%. I mean, the, the money management is reduced to now key management. And uh, it's a generic function that cryptography does. Cryptography takes something large that needs to be protected and reduces it to the size of the key that needs to be protected. So it's kind of organic for cryptography. Uh, as for people uh, kind of realizing that as the short history of Bitcoin has shown, uh, very few users actually keep their keys themselves uh, because it's very difficult to do. And uh, the uh, what I see happening in the in the future, it will probably be some type of physical device. Uh, hopefully, it's not the phone or it's not easily breakable phone, but some kind of a hardware device that that can be. Uh, secured in a way that only the owner can activate. And there may be multi-signature, we, we do have those multi-signature wallets, there may be, you know, more than one person need to be there uh, to, to, to activate it. But uh, the nature of this is such that uh, it has to be some kind of device. Uh, as, as for the roadblocks to that, uh, it will probably the biggest biggest uh, impediment would be some people or some corporations or some governments trying to monopolize it, trying to set forward standards, which you know on the surface sounds great, but what they do, they they tie this, uh, like I said, equalizer liberating technology into specific platforms, and that's where the danger is. If they start to balkanize the the chains, uh, it will probably not uh, uh, fulfill all of its promise. It will still work. I mean, you know, I, I prefer, and it will become like a uh, exchange, like currency exchange type of situation. Oh, I'm 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 doing. Uh, Bitcoin, I'm doing some other cryptocurrency, Litecoin or what have you. And if I need to translate, uh, if, you, if I need to convert, there will be some exchanges that can be done very fast. So I, I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but uh, I, I just know how difficult it is to manage keys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember when uh, a few years back, it, it, it was revealed that our military drones when they communicate back the feed, it's not encrypted. And they were like, oh, how can that happen? Uh, and someone, it, it was buried in that uh, media hype, someone said, 
Well, because it's impossible to do proper key management in combat, so that's why it's not encrypted. <laughs> Something similar huh. applies here too. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to do key management in your in my home because, well, there are keys, there are different devices. So I don't know. I, can I trust my refrigerator or my I don't know vacuum cleaner <laughs> now? I cannot. Everything is connected, and my phone is connected to all of that. And by the way, my phone has a unique ID, which is. Uh, if I'm in a certain country, uh, government has access to that unique ID, so it's it's becoming uh, uh, less and less uh, likely to be managed properly. So uh, it will be it it will probably make a make a uh, like a spiral and come back, in a sense that instead of having these huge vaults that store gold, they will have the same facilities storing customers keys and banks i think are hoping that it will happen so they are investing in technology to be that uh, facilitator because uh, i'm repeating myself a thousand times uh, key management is very difficult to do even for very large organizations not you know, in, in, a, in a general application it, it, it's virtually impossible so I'm not really optimistic on that side. I don't think people will end up managing their own keys. They will trust someone to do it for them. Yeah, I've I've come to that conclusion too. It's like banks exist for a reason. You know, it's not like it's not like it wasn't a great invention. Just like talking about overall, and so they're just gonna go from it's just gonna be another abstraction. They'll probably go from securing money to like securing things that secure money, like. I don't know. Right. That's just right. That's just been my shower thoughts for the past like <laughs> six months. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at what you said, but I thought it'd be so funny. We live in such a strange world where you can look at someone and say, "I just, I just don't trust my microwave. I just <laughs> don't trust how it's managing its key. I don't get it." But. Well, that, that's reality. <laughs> I mean, last week, last week they owned, uh, they pawned the Alexa, right? And hey. If you rely on that device to do stuff for you, then they can own you pretty much in the physical world. That's where they step from the screen into your physical world. And uh, that uh, that I've seen a demonstration a few years back at RSA, which was chilling. Someone walk, walked out with a insulin pump and showed how he can tap into that insulin pump and make it dump all of its content. Ooh, that's scary. <laughs> and it was five years ago. Yeah, only DEFCON so, is, a, is, a, is a scary thing to watch in Black Hat and things like that. All right, and, and they're, they're making it scary to make a point, but the overall state of the technology is such that uh, it's very easy to produce technology products, and it's, and it's very difficult to verify that they do what they're supposed to do. So here you have it. Uh, and we as a technologist tend to put a whole bunch of functionality that only malicious users will utilize because normal users will probably never, like you said, never run a, website, a web server on their microwave and, you know, connect from wherever and ask it to make popcorn. Maybe some will do, but not as regular course of action. <laughs> now... I guess pivoting off of that, like who who becomes the winner in this space? Is it the platform that has the most inherent security, or the platform that just 
allows you to do things that kind of, I wouldn't say throw security by the wayside, but isn't number one focused on that. They're just focused on utility applications so that an end user can do things that they couldn't do before, but maybe they don't understand security applications. Uh, yeah, that's a very deep question. I'll try to answer in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, well, in, in every system, uh, there are cheaters and there are honest participants, right? And uh, some information theory folks will tell you that systems who have no cheaters will die. So there's always going to be that arms race between people who are trying to monopolize stuff or we're trying to cheat, uh, being malicious. There's always be there. Uh, the winners, one would hope that there will never be winners so that the race will go on forever and it will evolve uh, naturally over, over time and uh, there will be some competition and that competition will benefit the end users by making stuff more efficient, making it cheaper and more accessible, right? Uh, so I, I would think in, in those terms. Uh, in a, when I talk a lot about security, uh, very soon uh, people will realize that their digital security is very important because it's part of their physical security. You can open locks now, right? So it's part of that. And uh, if if people could, uh, my technologies, when I say people, I mean uh, my colleagues, uh, if we could use blockchain to uh, building smart apps, that's where I think where the biggest promise of this is. Uh, in a smart apps, in a sense, in a smart contract sense, and all, all of that, when you can actually build a smart enterprise where uh, efficiencies are gained by, uh, you know, eliminating that silos that exist in, in, in digital world when, you know, the, the data is siloed, the access is siloed, uh, all of the control is uh, segregated and uh, is, is, is expensive, it comes down to this is expensive. So, in that sense, uh, especially in, in the field that we are in, it takes people, uh, people spend enormous amount of money to secure their assets and then about double that amount of money to verify that the controls they have are adequate, right? So I think the efficiency will be in the second part where you don't have to trust uh, applications because they are verified, they're cryptographically verifiable. That's why we, we, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, creating the, uh, implementing the non-repudiation part of it, which is blockchain is naturally, you know, developed to, to help you with that. And let's remember, it has been around for over 40 years, right? So Merkel got his Turing Award just last year, which was interesting because everyone who developed application on top of his theories have gone have gotten the Turing Award, have gotten the financial rewards, the RSAs, and you know they're very sad and all of that. He was pretty much an unknown. Uh, he finally got his recognition. So the, 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 those, those technologies will take time to evolve. And at, at the end, uh, people who can 
I think the gain will be not as, as a consumer, the so consumers will probably not notice it, but the service providers will be able to achieve uh, efficiencies, especially on the side of non-repudiation and, you know, to, uh, very, providing verified services. Uh, by, it's, uh, it's just a too, too, too complex a topic to, to be, uh, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to say that without repeating myself about non-repudiation and keys and all of that, but it's pretty much impossible. Yeah. I hope, and that's actually the definition of good, good technologies where the users don't feel it, right? And this has the promise of doing that on the non-repudiation part. Mm. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, oh, no, then I was just thinking out loud. That's all. Well, I had a question about um, something that I guess many people could potentially be blindsided by, and that's insider attacks. Uh, for instance, a few months ago, the WannaCry ransomware attack made 50 grand and made the price of Bitcoin go up a bit. And then most recently, you had Kraken. They experienced DDoS attacks, which led to many leverage positions getting liquidated. And then you had a large Ethereum sell order that was executed within minutes of a DDoS attack on Polynex. Uh, in fact, that was a sell order of enough volume to push down the Ethereum price and liquidated positions that have been placed on margin calls. So I wanted to know, what are your thoughts on these leveraged insider attacks from the perspective of someone who helps enterprises avoid security mistakes? Uh uh, first one is leverage insiders, like you said, are the most uh, dangerous people, probably, uh, because they can be, you know, sometimes it can be malicious, sometimes uh, innocent. Uh, however, it I, I'm looking at why people would do something like that, and it comes from the nature of cryptocurrencies. I think because they're, right now, you make, uh, more money by manipulating their value than by using them as a, you know, uh, efficiency tool. That kind of makes them the target, which is very interesting in a sense that uh, blockchain itself eliminates a target by distributing the trust. And those type of attacks happen when uh, they kind of sh create a shortcut and put it down inside uh, those Mount Gox, you know, those, those type of people who are a target. So, you know what I'm saying? That in, in theory, because it's public and it's distributed, there is no sense of attacking it other than, you know, the Byzantine agreement. But uh, that comes down to essentially I, a very, uh, I, I have to go deep into cryptography. What we do to help uh, these people, and I think everyone should think about it, is in cryptography there is a, a big apparatus implemented usually to authorize the person to use the key. So there goes through a whole bunch of checks, there is multi-signatures, all of that to make sure, hey, you are you, and you have the authority to take this key. But what's interesting is, in a lot of applications, if you present the key, that also is, uh, it's like a bearer certificate. They think that if you have the key, you're supposed to have the key. And that's where most of the breaches happen. 
most of the breaches uh, in in the Bitcoin realm, in the cryptocurrency realm, is, are like that. When uh, if the key is presented, it automatically executes, and there is no second check. When you do a key release authorization, you have to do a second check at key use to make sure that the person who presents the key is actually supposed to have the key, and that's the basic. Uh, again, it's an invisible basic thing that if it is baked into applications. Uh, those applications will be secure. Uh, from leveraged insider, unfortunately, other than behavior tracking and analysis, uh, there is not much effective way of, of, of protecting because leveraged insider, that means someone who has the authorization tokens, everything is great. It's just he's performing an action he's not supposed to do. The only way to de de detect that they're doing an action that they're not supposed to do is to have some history of what they were doing in the past and have some algorithms that will determine whether what they're doing now is important is, is is valid or not and uh, there's probably never going to be 100 percent proof system like that uh, but however if it is implemented in a way that it makes the attacker's life very very difficult uh, it will probably give enough time uh, to stop or uh, mitigate the attack size. Uh, I wish there was a you know silver bullet, but I don't think there is one. It's just by the book. I, I recommend when, uh, and I do it myself, by the way, uh, when we talk about cryptography and I, and I say something that I know is true, and then I go back, open up the book and read it again. <laughs> because... <laughs> Over time, you kind of form your own biases, and technology and the, the real world imposes its other limitations. So now you're you're kind of chopping away from what actually uh, you initially wanted to do, and that that's uh, I think that's natural. But go go back to the book, and if we're implementing systems, see if whatever cryptography is okay uh, implemented properly or access management or what have you. Uh, and th those double tier attacks are very, very dangerous. I don't know other than having the, the, the behavioral set analysis, I, I don't know of any way of confronting them. Interesting. Yeah. I think what it boils down to is something you uh, played with earlier in the interview is that um, Ultimately, this stuff is complex, and a consumer user is probably not going to take that much time to learn about it, so they just want it to be useful. And Corey, I think you've said that on the show before. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, we got anything else? Yeah, there I is one. Yeah, there is one thing I wanted to say. He is uh, he's an inventor, and there's an actual patented for uh, computerized method for managing secure content sharing. And I was curious to what exactly is proprietary to that invention. Oh, uh, the, that's about um, uh, bring your own key situation. You're talking about trust and everything. That essentially, we have customers who trust us with very valuable information, right? And uh, we we tell them that we take care of it properly. Uh, however, 
uh, and we give them the right to audit. They come, they, they can even walk the data center if they want. They can talk to people. They can see the code if they want. Uh, however, uh, whatever you do at the end, they have their data not on their computer. And they, they needed a way to be certain that that data cannot be read unless they authorize people to read it. And what we did in that sense, uh, we created a system where there is a customer key which is stored in a secure device. It's a certified, FIPS level three certified HSM. And they have a remote control to kill that key anytime they want. So they can connect to that device from outside and it's very secure certified and all of that. And anytime when they don't want people anyone to have access to their data in our custody, they can connect and kill it. Uh, when we were, you know, it's all uh, is driven by customer demand. When we were looking for a solution to a problem where customer can control it, we found out that no one actually would, would provide something like that. And that's where we started to design the system. And uh, essentially, you have the kill switch for a data which is not in your control. Anytime you can suspend the key, kills the data immediately. Hmm. Seems relatively useful. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I have a, I, of course, is there any other question that we should have asked you that we, we didn't get around to? Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the August 1st uh, doomsday, <laughs> but uh, uh I just want to say uh, that we look at blockchain as a. Uh, if you were asked, if you were to ask me how you uh, make money off of blockchain, right? In a, in a situation where you're not in the cryptocurrencies or you're not in running exchanges, you know there are some, or uh, you know asset verification, some kind of a registry type of deals. Uh, if you ask that question. Uh, I would say that we're thinking about uh, along the lines of enhancing cryptography and how difficult it is and all of that. We're thinking about having a, uh, designing systems where the users of a system can trace back all usage of their data. They don't do it every day, but if they need to, they could go back and say, oh, okay, I can see that uh, this data was accessed, you know, at this day, this time, this day, this time. And it, it sounds like it's nothing new. Everyone can tell you that, right? Mm -hmm. But current systems, how they do it is they enter a, a log record if you logged in, if you asked for a file. Uh, what we want to do, we want to log a record when the key was authorized to decrypt that file. That's a real access point. Because you can, the way we, we design things, you can take away all the files and go away and it will take about 10,000 years to open them. Uh, so that's, uh, I, I want to, I hope that the, the, the blockchain uh, technology will, will not be viewed as only fintech type of thing, but also as a, as a, as a general, uh, uh, like I said, equalizer technology. Uh, the interesting thing there is that the cloud always means that your data is not in your control. And uh, I think having mechanism of sh 
giving you a control and then giving you a, a non-immutable uh, 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 record of what happens to your data while it is out of your control uh, will have some value. Drop a knowledge on our listeners. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, uh, go ahead. No, you're, you're, you're welcome. I'm, I'm, as you probably figured out, I'm a little bit of a crypto geek, so... <laughs> we need more in the general populace, if you ask me, because there's a lot of people just doing willy-nilly stuff with their data, and they have no clue, but uh, that's on them, not me. Well, um, got a, one last question for you. It's probably the toughest question that you're going to ever hear in your life. Um, that's not superbly, that's not hyperbole that's at all. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Ten words or less. It's a. It's virtual. Money. Where you trust. The community. to verify that it is real, the owner owns it, and they can spend it only once. Okay. Yeah. You said that's 23. That's 23. Judge's decision. <laughs> so I, I failed. You're closer it's than most, good, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> you actually tried. Most people don't even, just, they even, don't even hear the 10 words. They just keep going. <laughs> Still really funny. that's good trust the community to verify that it's there and it can only be sent once okay oh hey i got one more question and you can answer it in one word uh overrated or underrated john mcafee <laughs> I think the size is all Yeah, right. we'll take that. <laughs> so I count one word, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right. All right, I think that's all we got. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Think, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Moosh Akinian from Synchronos.com. Uh, he enlightened us with the pleasantries of security, this new block channel era that we are going into. So I will be doing the rest of this show in my NPR voice uh, just for you guys. Very pleasant and easy to listen to. Lots of inflections at the end of sentences. So... What did you guys think about that uh, that interview with Moosh? I forgot. I thought it was a bit based on that voice. <laughs> uh, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Do you guys not have NPR voices? Nope. I have one voice. All I need is one voice. Thanks. For nice. Oh. Damn. <laughs> we both said Nas. What? All I want to say is that Nas 
like you say, is famous for one album and destroying Jay-Z. And that's it. Like, I, I stopped by his Twitter the other day, and it was like 30 million followers. That's obviously an exaggeration. But I was like, wow, this is a very, very popular guy who made one thing great. Just one. Just one great thing. And made and made fun of somebody. I don't know, man. He's he's a, he's a solid rapper. It's not just one album. I mean, yeah, he's solid, but I mean, the one album is all it takes. So this is I figured out the rapper recipe of success. Rap for Please. ten years, make what do you say, Joe? I I don't want to put a hole in your theory, but I call it the Rick Ross theory. Like Rick Ross is garbage, but he has really great beats, and he gets a relevant R and B artist to sing the hook. Nas, his beats are garbage, but he's really talented. That's always my theory. I think that if you want to be a successful rapper, and you can apply this to anything in life, do something, one thing, for 10 years, at the 10th year, pour out all of your effort into a thing, it's going to be good. That one thing is good, you've made it. It's a 10-year runway to success. Everything. Is that like a 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell type thing? Malcolm Gladwell stole his book from Rapper's Mentality. That's but there are no rappers who, like, their, his third album was his best album. It's always the first, and then it just it gets increasingly worse. What about the Marshall Mathers LP? That was his third album. Wasn't that was it? the second. Oh. Anyways, we should talk something about crypto, right? So You wanted to talk about what, our opinions on we, advertisements. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we talk a lot behind the scenes. You probably do know this if you're in the Slack, but we talk a lot to each other and we don't always have the same opinions on things, which is why I think the show remains so authentic because we have differences of opinions on things. But we have these things coming like Cello. Can you explain like what these little advertisements that we do on the website? Yeah, so when we have verbal ads, we usually take a vote. Then I usually lose that vote uh, <laughs> in favor of just profiting for our integrity for for our listeners, which is a great quality that you two have that I lack. However, when it comes to paid advertisements on the website, I kind of rent out rental spaces really cheap that we don't tie our personalities to. They're just out there, general press releases. So if you yeah. see them, don't be alarmed. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, it's so, real estate like, on a website. Like, that's not that big of a deal. I just, I don't, I don't have to talk about it on a website. Those are almost my. Like, yeah. Go ahead, D. I was just gonna say, like, my general philosophy about advertisements is like, what I want for the show is some sort of long term, like, sponsorship. Like, I'm talking like Michael Jordan, Nike. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we have an identifiable business relationship with someone in the space and we are their mascot their their audio mascot for the crypto space like something long term like i would i would love for that to happen that's my opinion on the ads slash sponsorship i'm working on that i think i may have found one yeah and like so that's my viewpoint on it and at the same point i also feel like hey man we are trying to make money off of this it's the american dream I want to do what I love, so when I wake up, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like doing things that I love. So when we're, we got a sponsorship, it's somebody that I really like, like uh, the ones that we 
Hold up. <laughs> I, I just got terribly distracted by my phone. <laughs> Holy crap. Anyways, you guys know my viewpoint on it. I just want to be like somebody's like spokesperson, like Michael Jordan to Nike. Yeah. So like my, I, I, I usually vote no on most of the things that come through our, our email or people who address us with wanted to pay us to say something because people listen to us because of who we are and how real we are about certain stuff. And I can't talk about things and then turn around and, and then have the exact opposite of what I talk about be something that's paid us to continue going. Now there is this kind of, yeah, we would like to be able to make money off this podcast so we don't have to spend our lives working for a regular job and just do this. Or at least one of us can do that. Maybe one and a half of us can do that. But we're we're steeped in authenticity. And if we lose that, then we lose our listeners. And it's very clear that the people like who listen to us care about who we are and, and our and our personal opinions. Otherwise they wouldn't listen to us. They'd listen to other information. And the people on yeah. our Slack have 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 said the exact same thing like they're in that slack because they like interacting with us and what we produce and how we produce it and so breaking that trust or breaking that bond with our listeners is like the one thing you can't do from our yep. perspective and especially if we want to grow into something that we want to grow into now so it's like this kind of give and take of what can we do to kind of talk about people building things in the space and kind of push that onto our listeners without breaking a lot of that authenticity. It could be like, if you listen to Bill Burr's podcast, he gets, he'll, he'll like go through his sponsors and like, after he reads the script, he'll be like, that's garbage. I'd never buy that. Like I said, like that's, that's a, that's a, <laughs> one, you call it like a one and done or something. And yeah, that dude is super authentic. And, and he's like, I'm not gonna, that's stupid. Well, that's the stupidest product I've ever heard of. Like right after he gives him the pitch, <laughs> and, and his advertisers are pissed off, but people listen to Bill Burr because like he's honest and real about that type of stuff. And that's kind of the the route I like taking is yeah. I don't want to push anything that I'm not personally going to buy. But I, I wanna, let me hold, one second. I just wanted to defend like ICO box. Like obviously people like Corey and Demetric and advanced users aren't going to like it, but what if you're not knowledgeable and you want to get in on this ICO craze? It's it's training wheels for the normal investor, and here's I think why, there's some value in that. Here's why. Here's why I'm okay with ICO box. Uh, they are taking advantage of the ICO craze in a way that's helping other people do ICOs. Like they're not necessarily pitching garbage, or like they're not creating garbage. They're helping other people create their own arbitrage for a very large fee, and potentially, based on whether whatever whatever their 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 vetting process is, I'm not sure they're vetting, but based on their previous ICOs they've done, it's 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 decent, and they've made decent projects. They may end up helping other people focus on things that they care about, and not all of the difficulties of creating ICOs, which have gotten significantly more difficult over the past four months due to the growth and regulation that's that's incoming. So I'm okay with people trying to create a service. They're basically creating, it's like ICO as a service, which is a very viable business model in today's economy. Mm-hmm. But I don't like a lot of the ICOs that are pitching garbage, that are trying to create garbage in efforts for a money grab. Their money grab is catering to the other people trying to make a ton of money off nothing, which is which is a legit, probably a more legitimate business model. 
Yeah. I would and say I, this. And just to piggyback on everything you guys have said, is that we do a good job vetting the shit that we say and that comes through our inbox. So that if you hear something like an ICO or token sale or something like that, if you see something on the site, we're selling real estate. If you hear something from us, that means that we put thought into it, researched into it, and we wanted, we, you know, thought it was a good deal. And if we're interviewing somebody, that's somebody that we chose. So we thought the project was cool. So. Hashtag. And also, also, like Bill Burr, <laughs> like the, the name of his podcast is Bill Burr rambles about the New York Times crossword puzzle, luxury apartments, and skiing. <laughs> So you kind of know Burr. what you're getting into when you click it. Right? You're, li- you're listening to the personality of Bill Burr, and his personality is yeah. rash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr is like one of my favorite people. Now, I guarantee you, at the beginning of Bill Burr's career, he was drinking Coke with a smile. But he's in a position now where he can be like, me undies, fuck me undies. I don't, I don't wear that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe. So it's all, well, about, it's all about context. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed this mid this midweek. Uh, we just wanted to put that out there because you know, space grows. We're growing with the space. Um, we just wanted to let everyone know where we stand on all that. Um, been a good week. Congratulations to the holders in the audience for reaching 4K. It's probably gonna come back down, but it's still good while it's happening. So, uh, we got anything else? No. All right, so we got block channel coming. We have uh, Ether review coming, or it's already out. Already out. You released that already. Ether review is already out this weekend. You can look forward to buy or sell. What the hell? Brand new trade show. We're gonna see what that's about. Um, Evan Van Ness since Van Ness and whatever he decides to name his his podcast. Would you guys think Uh, of the art? I didn't see Evan Vanessa. The buy or sell what the hell art. Yeah. I liked it. I like it. I like it. It's good stuff. It fits the vibe. It's a vibe. He did agree in that email thread that it's uh, Evan Vanessa since, right? I don't think he agreed to that. Yeah. I'll talk to you. Isn't it scary that Evan Essence has a new torn album, though, like right now? Right when Evan Van Ness since is going to come out too, it's just it's going to be hard for the SEO to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you can't name it that. That Evan, you probably shouldn't name your show Evan Van Essence because people are going to get <laughs> confused. They're going to think that that's Evan Essence and that's a band. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, uh, which there's like there's like a fifty percent chance you are, you don't want to go with Evan Van Ness comma since. Even though we all want to listen to what sense you have. What if you have like it's just Ev- a bad go right now? Evan Vanessa's sense. Evan Vincent's. Evan Vanessa's sense. Yeah. You have to have the apostrophe well, at the end of Evan. Maleficence with Evanescence's sense. <laughs> okay. We're done here. All right. Uh yeah. Okay. Well, we're brought to you by uh we already did all that stuff. Uh go visit us on Twitter at the BTC Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a Corey's got a new blog coming out. He did some writing. He did some scientist shit, and he pooped out some words. And no, I'm kidding. I should be more serious about you write. Um, I'll tweet it out. Good shit. Yeah. Whenever I finish, Corey's it. doing. Corey's been a writing edits. again. 
got some more edits to do. Um, I would also like for you guys. I got a, I got a little tweeter tweet from someone in the Slack. Um, she has a newsletter. Um, crap. You know what? Before I say that, let me present it better. I'll just release it in the Slack. Talking to you, Portia. Um, what what else going on? Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Uh, shout out to her younger sister who is just like her. Like it's crazy. They're like a twins. I didn't even know this until I was creeping on Instagram because that's what Instagram's for. Um, I think that's it, right? Yeah. You guys got anything? No. You got nothing, Cello? Good man. All right. Well, play the PlayStation Four with me, and I'll get to play the outro.